podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The cricket ball sits atop of a big contraption. The base is on wood, but inside the machine, I suppose, there is metal and also rope. It resembles the kind of catapults that you see in old movies about castles, but it's a little bit more refined by the industrial era. It's got twisty bits and a triple layer holder for the ball itself and modern day screws and nails to hold the whole thing together. The basic idea, of course, was simple. The central arm would be pulled all the way back down, held in place by a rope, and then it would be released to fly forward, hitting the ball and delivering it to the batter at great speed. And what if I told you that this all happened in 1846 and a bunch of cricketers took on a bowling machine like this in a match? I know it feels like the plot of the worst steampunk novel you've ever heard of, but this is a thing that actually happened. There were two lots of 11s, but instead of having bowlers, they just had to face this contraption. You know when your uncle says, oh, they might as well replace the bowlers with robots out there. Well, cricket has already tried that. This is Double Century, the podcast on the history of our game. This season, we wanted to visit some of the weirdest stories within our sport. Cricket has a unique ability to meld itself into cultures, even outside the sport itself, and produce wild tales. So this season will include the theatre, sausages, dogs, and perhaps the most famous disability match ever played. But this episode is on the origin of the bowling machine. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Nicholas Wanastrock was seldom addressed by his original surname. He was Felix to everyone else. And it would not be an exaggeration to call him a polymath. He was a cricketer, classical scholar, musician, linguist, an inventor, a writer, and an artist. James Pycroft described him in the cricket field as he had music in his soul and could sing and play exquisitely on some seven instruments and sketch cleverly besides. In the expanded version of The Hambledon Men, E.V. Lucas wrote, In the pavilion at Lord's are watercolour portraits from his hand of Alfred Amaltamin, Philip Pilch, and others. From a historical cricket point of view, he wrote the book Felix on the Bat, an incredible tome about cricket instructions and a trove of information for cricket historians. It has some beautiful art to go with it, including the most incredible image of Felix in white riding on a giant bat, the animal kind, with what seems to be a horse's head instead of a bat's head, while he's standing high with a bat, the cricket kind this time, raised above his head. Felix was considered one of the greatest batters of his era and one of the first great left-handers. He played for both Kent 
and Surrey and was also a regular for William Clark's All England Eleven. Even at first class level, he scored two hundreds, a remarkable feat in an era where pitches were not even, well, you know, really that defined. Bernard Darwin, yes, the grandson of Charles, was more known as a golf writer, but he immortalized five cricketers in his verse. Felix was one of the quintet. He wrote, And with five such mighty cricketers, t'was but natural to win, as Felix Wenman, Hillier, Fullerpilch, and Alfred Min. William Caffin, yeah, he made it rhyme as well, which I really like. William Caffin wrote of Felix in 71 Not Out. He was a beautiful left-hand bat, especially noted for his brilliance in cutting, more particularly in the direction of cover point, with his right leg, in this case, advanced. Mr. Felix was undoubtedly one of the finest exponents of this shot ever seen, and I've seen no batter from W.G. Grace downwards who could excel in this particular stroke. In his book Cricket by A.G. Steele, he called Felix the father of cutting, so if anyone's ever cut you in a club game, you know who to blame. Silver Billy Beldum throws some light on Felix's improvisations. He played with the bat held over his shoulder, and a quick shooter was most likely to be fatal to him. He played principally in suburban matches, but when he began to appear at Lords, he would put the bat beside him in the usual way and a studied defence. Essentially, what Felix did was, despite the ball running along the ground, he stood a little bit more like a baseballer, which shows you he had some style for his era. It should be pointed out that Beldum didn't actually approve of Felix's approach, but there is no doubt that Felix was a thinking cricketer, and when you hear of all the different things he did in his life, it would be impossible not to think of him that way. But if that is the case, then outside of his book, Felix's greatest cricket legacy is the catapulter, the first known bowling machine. That's the device I described at the top. But in Felix's own words, with use of this instrument, you may, by setting it to the pace so fast that it would split your bat in two, or so slow that the ball would scarcely reach the wicket, imitate the pace and place of all the great bowlers of the day. However, Felix also had a warning. Too much practice with perfectly straight bowling would perhaps cramp your hitting. The person working the machine should, unless otherwise required, vary the direction of the ball about every third or fourth delivery without the knowledge of the batsman. I mean, not only did he work out the bowling machine, but he also worked out the best way that it should be used. It was something so far ahead of its era, and Felix honed his skills against the catapulter, so it must have been pretty useful. Years later, John Wisdom would develop his own catapulter. In 1867, Wisdom ran an ad of the machine. It was the first advertisement in the history of the almanac. But let us talk about that incredible game. The book Felix on the Bat came out in 1845, so our match dates a year after that. The game was between the Tichborne Down Club and County Players. In the book Sporting Reminiscences of Hampshire from 1745 to 1862, John Sivens has described it as a team of gentlemen versus a team of players. But of course, whether you're a gentleman or a player didn't matter, because you would not be bowling in this game. The 11 batters would be against the catapulter. Sorry if I keep saying it that way, but I'm not sure there's another way to say catapulter. Despite its incredible variety of formats, cricket had just not seen anything like this before. The gentleman took a 33-run lead before bowling out the players. Is bowling out the right term? Uh, before catapulting out the players for 75, which was the highest innings in the match. Unfortunately, not long after that, the game had finished as there wasn't enough time for both teams to bat twice. For the players, E. Privet, 
Blake and Collier made crucial contributions with the bat. Of course, I suppose they couldn't make contributions with the ball because of how the game was played. Collier also kept wickets superbly and stumped several batters. E. Dalton and John Durrell got runs for the gentlemen, while W. Clements and H. Lipskin fielded brilliantly. I suppose they had a lot more energy because they didn't have to worry about bowling. However, the show stealer of the contest was George Smith of the gentlemen and Chamberlain of the players. Sevens described it this way. Smith created some amusement by running halfway down the wicket to meet the ball from the catapulter before it touched the ground and succeeded and he got 10 runs. I'm not sure if that means he got 10 runs off more than one hit or he just hit it a long way and ran 10 runs. Either way, Smith tried it again, but Chamberlain stealthily altered the length of the ball, so when Smith went for an encore to smash another full toss, he was beaten in the flight and was dismissed. The most important thing that you need to know about this game was just how hard it was. 175 runs fell for only 30 wickets. That makes sense, because if we used a bowling machine today and we cranked it up to the same pace as modern bowlers, the batters would be pretty useless against. When facing a regular human bowler, a batter takes into account wrist position, ball position, how it comes out of the hand, the field, knowledge of the pitch to come up with a reasonable idea of where the ball might land and what it might do afterwards. If you are facing the catapulter, it's just knocking the ball to you with no clues beforehand at all. All you can do is react, and we know that modern players are not very good at that. What Felix did was not only invent the bowling machine, but also show us that it was much harder to face a ball with no context from a human bowler than out of a machine. Even if Felix's machine was more rudimentary than more bowling machines, it still did basically the same thing, which made it very hard to bat against. So in 1846, what Felix also did was prove all those uncles wrong for once and for all, when they said we might as well just have bowling machines out there. I think if we did, batting averages would actually go down. Thanks for listening to Double Century. This podcast was made entirely possible by our supporters at Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. Double Century is a podcast narrated, produced, and co-written by me, Jared Kimber. Abhishek Mukherjee is the main writer, and Nick McCorriston edits, mixes, and co-produces the show. Sports Social Podcast Network.